0: Welcome back to the Green Element Podcast, where we feature business leaders and innovators transforming their operations to be more environmentally and socially sustainable. I'm your host, Will Richardson, and I can't wait to meet our guest today and help you on your journey of sustainability. Today, we've got Steve Pipe on the podcast. Fascinating individual. He has personally made 5.7 million B1G1 impacts. We will go into what that is on the podcast. He's written a seven part BBC TV series called Easy Money. He's had written seven business books. He has grown his business from his spare bedroom up to 40 people. He you know I mean there's more and more that you can talk about what he's done and how he's done it. It's been it's been and was and you will find it. Incredibly interesting and informative to listen to what he does and how he does it. And hopefully, he will give you an idea of what it is that you can do and how you can make a difference. Thank you so much for listening. Steve, welcome to the Green Element podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am looking forward to hearing more about what you do because you've got a very unique way of looking at life and looking at how to help people. And we were talking before about how our paths have potentially not crossed, but we've got quite a lot of people in common. And it shouldn't really surprise
1: me at all that that's
0: the case. Um, so please do tell us a bit more about yourself and yeah, who you are.
1: Well, thanks so much for having me. It's, it's a wonderfully small world, both of those things. It's a wonderful world. And it's a small world. And actually, I think it's the small things that we can do that can add up to make a profound difference to the world. So maybe we'll pick up on those things. Yeah, I'm a 58-year-old chartered accountant, Um, I ran a consulting business which I sold to the management team at 50 and for the large part of the last 12 years, sometimes when I was running that business and certainly since then, I've really been increasingly focusing my efforts on a core belief and that core belief is that Every business in the world can make the world a better place, can be a force for good, can be a business for good. It doesn't matter what the business does. It doesn't matter what they sell. It doesn't matter where they're based. It doesn't matter what stage of their development they are. You start up, establish, mature. It doesn't matter how large they are or how small they are. Every single business in the world can make the world a better place. And not only can, but I believe must and should. And so really my mission is to help businesses understand that and then to do that, to build doing good into their business model. So I took the view over the last few years since selling the business that actually I was going to stop selling anything and that I'm effectively in retirement, if retirement means not earning a salary or any other kind of income, but not retired in the sense that I'm sitting around with my feet up and slippers on. But actually I'm now investing my life in giving away my time, giving away my intellectual property, developing ideas, researching, sharing those with businesses so that any business can take that idea, i.e. that they can be a force for good and make it a reality and go back to the idea of wonderful and small world, you know, that actually our potential, the power in the hands of every small business is phenomenal. It's truly wonderful. And actually what it takes is not huge great steps but tiny small steps so small and wonderful. Do you think that because your background is
0: accountancy and obviously numbers driven I would imagine yeah Um, I'm guessing but kind of weird if you said no but do you think that having that background and then doing what you're doing has helped because you're able to talk about every small business being sustainable or having a good purpose and everyone should be doing it so that you can actually say it with a air of authority because you know that it's possible because of your accountancy background.
1: Well I know it's possible because I've seen it happen over and over and over again and I've studied businesses and I'm working with businesses that are doing it but not only do I know it's possible but I also know that it's worthwhile. And it's worthwhile on multiple levels. It's obviously worthwhile for the world. The more good we do in the world, the more sustainable we are, the more positive impact that we have on the world, the better that is for everybody, for current generation and generations to come. That's patently self-obvious. But actually, my background before being an accountant was an economist. And there's some really interesting stuff. So I flowed through from academic... uh, I did two degrees in economics... And then qualified as an accountant, worked for one of the largest accounting firms in the world, one of the largest businesses in the world. I was the, the head of finance for 150 million division of Kodak, set up my own tiny business from a not even a spare bedroom, but a shared bedroom with our newborn daughter. We could only afford a two bedroom house, so we had one and she had the other one and I had to work in one of them. And so I've and that and over the intervening thirty years, from my twenties to my late fifties now, I've worked with a huge number of businesses and seen a huge amount of stuff. Some of which works and some of which doesn't. And then drawn on that, taken the evidence out of that, using the analytical skills that accountants have. But if I go back to my time as an academic economist, my two degrees in economics, and I, I was really good at it. In truth, I would have become a professional economist if there were any jobs for a professional economist in Wakefield. Wakefield is a small mining town, a county town in West Yorkshire. You can imagine there were no, there were barely any jobs, let alone professional economist job. I could travel to Leeds and get a job as an accountant. So that's what we did. And we were in Wakefield because that's where my wife was working. We were getting married and that's where her job was. So it was a choice, you know, economics or marriage. Well, I chose love and put my heart first. Anyway, all of my time at university, it turns out, which I was good at, I was really good at economics. Turns out was a complete waste of time because all of economic theory, and this is going somewhere relevant, trust me, um, all of economic theory was based on an assumption that businesses, that decisions, that markets behave rationally and that markets would arrive at an optimal outcome. You know, that free market economics would arrive at an optimal outcome based on rational decision making. That was the model. Um, Almost everything that economists believed and said and therefore suggested as policy and so on flowed from those assumptions. Unfortunately, those assumptions were fundamentally wrong. And this has profound implications for every one of us and every business and everything we do, because a whole new type of economics was born has been born in the last 20 years. It's called behavioral economics and rather than assuming how people behave, it actually studies how people actually behave. Uh, Daniel Kahneman won the Nobel Prize for economics and he wasn't even an economist, he was an applied psychologist, but he won the Nobel Prize because he started this field of research that said rather than assuming what happens, let's study what actual behavior uh, people exhibit, markets exhibit, decision makers, businesses and so on. And his book, Thinking Fast and Slow, sold millions of copies. I don't suppose many people have actually read it because it's quite heavy, but it's a great book to have on the shelf. But actually, the title of the book, I think, sums up an enormous amount of what's hugely important to us because his, this whole new set of findings, which were research-driven findings, not just assumptions, boils down to the fact that as human beings, as businesses, as economies and societies, we essentially have... We make decisions in one of two ways. The fast thinking, so the title of the book is Thinking Fast and Slow. Fast thinking is knee-jerk reaction driven by habits, driven by biases, driven by prejudices. It's very easily influenced. It's not analytical and rational and sound. Whereas, and most of the decisions we make in life are those kind of fast thinking in in Kahneman's language. So you know, if we go to a bar, you'll notice that some of the most best-selling bottles of beer are red. Budvisor, for example, and they're red for a reason because actually there's some research that shows that, you know, the red label titibates the, the saliva glands and makes you want it. So you're going to drink more beer if it's got a red label on it. It doesn't really matter if we make that kind of habit-driven decision. That's not a rational analysis of the cost-benefit of that particular beer and how good it tastes and and, uh, and all the other rational factors that would lead to a decision. It's just driven by, you know, the colour triggers a purchase impulse. Um, what... And that, those kind of fast thinking decisions are absolutely fine when the issues at stake are relatively unimportant. But when the issues at stake, such as the success of your business, the future of your business, or indeed the future of the world are at stake, then what we need is slow thinking. Now, it's much, much rarer. Slow thinking is reasoned. It's rational. It's analytical. It draws on the facts. It takes time. It's considered. It's not influenced by the color of the beer bottle, but it's influenced by, you know, the genuine underlying needs and issues and facts and data and, and, and implications. And so this new branch of economics has really got me thinking about, you know, let's start applying some slow thinking, not knee-jerk reaction, um, not habit-driven, not influenced by the one social media post or, you know, the the tweet from a president or whatever but a proper analytical approach to doing the right thing to running our businesses in the right way to building our businesses in the right way right for us and right for generations to come and and really that it's that that's triggered this in my mind new way of looking at what's possible and really start to develop some simple solutions where the payback is profound and if i can uh, let me th- just paint a picture, just to show you. I could I could quote lots and lots of research studies, and I'm sure you have done in previous podcasts. Will of, of the, you know, the overwhelming business case for using your business as a force for good. Not only is that great for the world, but the 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 data is overwhelming, is compelling. That it's also great for your business. It will make your business more successful. It will make you more money. Um, but let's put aside the formal. Um, the formal studies on that. And let's just take a really, really simple example that we can perhaps all relate to. And I'll get us each to vote, you know, each of the listeners to vote in the, you know, on the piece of paper in front of them as well, just to themselves quietly. <laughs> as to which of these two shops they would shop in? So imagine, you know, you're you're out for the day, you're on a high street in a town somewhere and you want a cup of coffee or a hot drink, tea, coffee, whatever hot drink you like. Um, and you're standing there, and in front of you are two seemingly identical coffee shops. There's the one on the left and the one on the right. They're equally convenient You're right in front of both of them. They're equally as attractive. The interior furnishings and decor are, are identical you know, pretty much. There's, no, there's nothing to choose between on that basis. They serve exactly the same coffee. They've got equally nice people. They, they charge exactly the same amount of money. Let's say it's two pounds for the cup of coffee. Everything about them is identical. Which of these two shops are you going, to? oh, there is one slight, slight difference between the coffee shop on the left and the coffee shop on the right. The only difference between them is this. The coffee shop on the left, when you go in there, you get this great cup of coffee served by great people in lovely, lovely surroundings and it costs you two pounds. You get your cup of coffee. When you go in the coffee shop on the right, as well as all of those things happening, great coffee, great people, two pounds, not only do you get your cup of coffee But you know that a child in Africa gets access to clean water that day just because you've bought that cup of coffee. And as a result of clean water being funded in that child's village, and very often the child is a young girl, then that young girl doesn't have to spend hours a day walking to a distant well and bringing often dirty water. But even if it's clean, bringing water back to the, the family in the village. And by spending hours a day, what that had previously meant was that that young girl probably couldn't get an education because there simply wasn't enough time in the day and it was too important to bring the water back. So just because you've had your cup of coffee in the coffee shop on the right, not only do you get your two-pound cup of coffee, but you start to change the life of someone you'll probably never meet uh, in a profound way. So you're standing outside these two coffee shops and you have a choice of which coffee shop to go in, the coffee shop on the left. Or the coffee shop on the right. Now, there's my question which one would you go in? And if as in overwhelmingly, when I, I've done this in front of an audience of a thousand people and got them to stand up for one of the two coffee shops, you've had one or two people standing up for the coffee shop on the left, mostly because I don't think they understood what the question was, and say. 998 <laughs> standing up for the coffee shop on the right, the coffee shop that not only serves you coffee but also changes lives. It's built into its business model a simple, and in this case relevant way, no cup of coffee, you get your drink, child in Africa gets their drink and changes their life in the process. If your answer when you listen to this is I would go in the coffee shop on the right, of course I would. Why why would you go in the coffee shop on the left? Just think for a minute what that means rationally. If you're a coffee shop owner, which of those two coffee shops should you make damn sure you run? Well, sure as hell not the one on the left because no one's going there. You've just said it would be stupid to go there. It would be stupid to own it, wouldn't it? It would be stupid to run your business that way when you could run it like the coffee shop on the right, the coffee shop that not only so serves a great product or service but has folded into its business model an act of kindness.
0: But, but I would say that that's great, um, and it's a great example, but what happens if... You've got that person that owns that coffee shop
1: that's yep. thinking, "Yep,
0: yeah, that'd be a great thing to do." I can't afford it.
1: Well, absolutely. So, so, so let's let's look at the math. So let's continue with this idea of making a yeah. rational decision. In this case, let's put we're wearing the hats of potential coffee shop owner or perhaps even existing coffee shop owner although let's also be crystal clear this isn't really about coffee shops this is the coffee shop is merely an example we could change the title coffee shop and cup of coffee for any other product or service any other type of business anywhere in the world this exactly the same thinking applies we'll 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 look at how in a minute but um if we stick with coffee shops because it's a simple metaphor that we can all understand we've all probably brought a cup of coffee at some point so if you're rationally looking at the business case for being the coffee shop on the left which by the way will get left behind remember left left behind coffee shop on the right which by the way is doing the right thing and therefore well let's think about what happens as a consequence of doing the right thing when i took the straw poll in front of a thousand people in, in in the states actually 998 said they were going to the coffee shop on the right so they got a queue of 998 coffee buyers coffee shop on the left has got two, only going there by accident. Um, So the coffee shop on the right is probably going to sell more coffee, isn't it? Let's ignore 998 versus two. Is it going to tip the balance towards that shop selling more cups of coffee? Yes, absolutely. If you're a barista, a team member, someone who's brought in to work in that coffee shop, which coffee shop are you going to feel more motivated and engaged to actually... Sell more coffee, and the one on the left is just making profits for the business owner. The coffee shop on the right is changing lives. If I'm an if I'm a barista, a young person serving coffee, the working in the coffee shop on the right, doing the right thing, is going to fill me with joy. I'm going to be trying to sell more coffee because that way I change more lives. So the levels of motivation and engagement and and commitment to doing a great job and customer service with a smile and with a heart in the coffee shop on the right, doing the right things, go through the roof. So coffee shop on the right. Is now selling more than ever before with a more engaged, motivated team than ever before. If you're a customer, which of those two coffee shops do you go and tell your friends about? The one on the left, there's nothing to say. Coffee shop on the right, changing life. You're going to be word-of-mouth advertising for the coffee shop on the right. It's also going to go through the roof, and all of those benefits. So you can maybe selling significantly more, which already gives you the funds to pay for the water. Here's the interesting question, and and it's a rhetorical question. I'll give you the answer straight away afterwards. How much would you guess it costs for the coffee shop on the right to fund one day's worth of water in? So for every cup of coffee, they fund one day's worth of water. They've actually probably set themselves a goal, which is on the wall. Our goal, our mission is to to provide one million days of clean, life-giving water to people in need around the world just because you buying your coffee here. Thank you so much for playing your part in that. You know, the poster on the wall might say something like that. It might be part of the brand story. They've got this goal of a million and they have a running total of where they're at. How much would you guess it costs to fund a day's worth of water that for every cup of coffee? How much is the business going to have to spend if you choose to look at it that way? Give, invest, whatever you choose. Invest in the world. Less than one US cent. Less than one US cent. There is no coffee shop in the world that cannot afford the trade-off which is okay for merely investing less than one u.s. cent per cup of coffee we get that queue of 998 people out so there's no other marketing campaign that would drive that amount of difference for that little cost there's no other team engagement and motivation campaign that would drive that higher level of team member satisfaction and commitment to the job for one cent for less than one cent a cup of coffee there's no other word of mouth campaign that would drive bringing that many new new customers just because you do it, you run the business the way you do for for less than one u.s. cent a a cup of coffee and if the business (laughs) wanted to the business on the right could charge two pounds and one pence for its cup of coffee which would 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 actually mean then the cup the profit per cup would be higher let alone the fact that they're selling two three five times as many cups of coffee rationally There is only one way to run your business. It is not to get left behind by being the coffee shop on the left. It is to do the right thing. It's to fold your equivalent of the coffee and water connection to connect up what your business does with something that's resonant and perhaps also relevant. I'll give you some examples in a second, more examples beyond the coffee shop. Rationally, there is only one sensible way for the business owner as a purely commercial decision and for the world as a social decision, there is only one way to run a business. Why on earth wouldn't everybody do the right thing, be the shop on the right, build a better business, build a more successful business? Why on earth would anybody be the one on the left getting left behind? If you apply rational decision-making to that situation, which we need to when the decisions are really important, this is the lesson of behavioral economics, We don't mostly run, do things rationally. We have to sit back and make a conscious choice. And I would suggest to your podcast listeners, this is the time to sit back and make that conscious choice. Mm. If we don't choose to run our business like the coffee shop on the right, we are by implication, by default, running it like the one on the left. And we will get left behind. Mm. Whereas doing it the coffee shop on the right is categorically doing the right thing. So take stock now. Build that into your business model now. It's remarkably simple. We can look at lots of other examples if you choose. It's remarkably simple. It's remarkably powerful. It's remarkably easy. Why, oh, why would anybody rational, why, oh, why would anybody who actually cares, if you detach, if you put them in the rational decision making bit from one side, and that's all we focused on so, so far. Look also then at how it feels. If you're the business owner running, sorry, (coughs) my voice, (coughs) that is not me getting emotional, that's me having a frog in my throat. (laughs) Although you could say, well, maybe there's some underlying emotion. No, it's just ironic I was about to talk about emotion. If you look at then what's at stake emotionally, the coffee shop on the right, the business on the right doing the right thing that's the business, surely, that's going to fill your heart as the owner and team member with joy. That's the business when you get up in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror, is going to make you say, yes, I'm proud of what we're doing and I want to do more of it because you know, the more successful we become, the better things become for everybody. That's the business that, that your children are going to look up to and say, look what dad, look what mum, look what auntie, look what grandma and grandpa did. That's the business that's going to create a legacy that will be remembered and talked about with pride and joy. Not the one on the left that got left behind. So whether it's a rational, analytical, commercial decision that that people make, or whether it's a heart-driven, values-driven decision, they both point in exactly the same direction. We need to put kindness and giving at the heart of our business models.
0: And you've um, written a book, on this subject, haven't you, with Paul Dunn from B1G1. We
1: are currently finalising the book, which will be published later in. So we're we're recording this in, what is it now, February 2020. By the summer of 2020, that book will be available, and in fact, freely available. Anybody can have a copy of that book for free so they can do exactly all of this. And the book, and it'll be digital, so there'll be no trees cut down either.
0: And what's the premise? What's the premise of that um,
1: book? Well, the, well, the, the core the core approach and, and it's sort of implicit in my coffee shop example the core approach behind all of this is to say what we as businesses should do is we should create some we should identify triggers and impacts and so again i've got to now i i love binary things we have my two coffee shops one on the left the one on the right is a simple black and white choice there's a line down the middle imagine now a second piece a piece of paper draw a line down the middle vertical line top to bottom on the left hand side, write the word trigger, and on the right hand side, write the word impact. And so what I'm what the, the the core process here, in the coffee shop example, the trigger was every time we sell a cup of coffee. That was the trigger, every time we make a sale of our core product. The impact was, well, we give a day's worth of access to clean water. That's a when then. That's a trigger impact. Now, the nature of that trigger-impact relationship is it's clearly good for the business. The business wants to sell more cups of coffee. If it sets a goal around the number of cups of coffee it sells or the amount of profit it makes, that's fairly disengaging and not very motivating for the team. I don't really care whether we make a million pounds of profit or not, if I'm a barista in a coffee shop, but I would love the idea that the business I'm working for has got a goal of creating a million smiles or providing a million days of water or a million, you know, a million days of help of some form or another. So if we reframe our goals in terms of the impact rather than the trigger, in terms of the difference we're going to make in the world. But if we've got this connection between the trigger and the impact, so the only way we provide a day's worth of water, the only day we're ever going to reach a million days' worth of water is by selling a million cups of coffee. Oh, and by the way, the accountant in us knows that when we sell a million cups of coffee, the business owners, the stakeholders, the shareholders are very, very happy. So so with this piece of paper, on the left-hand side, I would suggest that what everyone listening to this does is thinks about what are the triggers that they could use in their business and these could be one of three main things they could be things that you want to encourage to happen more often so you want to encourage people to buy from you more often so selling a cup of coffee a sale a purchase is a natural trigger but you probably also want to encourage people to if go back to the beginning of the sales cycle to join your mailing list to put their, enter their details in your online data capture form so they sign up for your newsletter to visit your shop or to uh, come in for a meeting with you or to take a trial of your product or service or to make the first purchase or to pay an invoice on time or to give you a referral or a testimonial or a review on TripAdvisor or whatever. Each of those are things that you want to encourage to happen more often, more sales, more inquiries, more meetings, more reviews, more testimonies. They're all great for the business, aren't they? So, what if, we, having identified a list of things we want to encourage to happen more often, we then link them on the right-hand side of the page to some kind of act of kindness trigger, uh, impact rather, something like the day's worth of water when they sold a cup of coffee, that um, resonates with us, that makes a makes a contribution towards the UN Global Goals to make the world a better place. That's a great framework for thinking about it all. So, give you some practical examples. Um, from uh, from my business. So I've sold books in the past. Historically, those have been physical books, although increasingly I'm not going to have any more physical books printed. I'll distribute them digitally. That's better for the planet. But I still have some physical books. Um, and every time someone buys one of my physical books, I will plant a tree. So the trigger is sell a book. The impact is plant a tree. It cost me from 40 cents. In fact, for $1.50, I can, plant a, uh, I can, I can fund the planting in Kenya of a grafted mango tree which means it grows it grows quickly but it also uh, only grows to about 5 or 6 foot which means you can harvest the mangoes from the tree without any equipment, you can just stand there and pick them off and over its lifetime not only will it suck huge amounts of carbon out of the air but it will will yield thousands of bits of fruit which will be both food for the farmer but the surplus fruit will be income that allows the farmer to lift themselves out so I'm helping the, the environment my books are helping the environment so I've got a trigger there which is sell a book and I've got an impact, which is plant a tree. If someone comes to one of my webinars, so the trigger is attend a webinar. That's great for me because it's a chance for me to share my message with them. I want to encourage more people to come to my webinars. So the impact that I've linked that to on the right hand side of my piece of paper is um, for every person that attends a webinar during the webinar, I explain and make, and I fund 30 days of e-learning for a child in a rural, in a rural village in India. Um, because we've just had an e-learning event, that's the nature of a webinar, so there's a nice resonance between um, e- attending an e-learning event yourself and knowing that as a side, as a consequence of you attending that e-learning event, a child in rural India has had access to e-learning in their village for, for fully a month. Now, actually, the, the, a month's worth of e-learning costs 30 US cents, 24 pence. So I have 100 people on one of my webinars. My act of kindness, generosity, it's almost embarrassing to say, is... Thirty dollars, twenty-four pounds or so. Yeah. Now, but the focus is not on the twenty-four pounds. The focus is on the fact: that if one hundred people attend, and I've funded thirty days of e-learning each, that's three thousand days of help provided to people, in, to young children in India, just because people came to my webinar. And when you are able to tell that story, if, if my story was I have given twenty-four quid because you came to my webinar, that's not going to that's not going to motivate many more people to come to my webinar or feel great about themselves. But if the story is, and it's exactly the same story, just told differently, just because you guys came to the webinar today, you can just see, because I press click in front of you, 3,000 days of help, thanks to you, on your behalf, but at my expense, have just been provided to those children. Now, what the difference that that creates in connection and engagement, and you know, likely enthusiasm to come back to another webinar? Great for my business. So I've chose, So those are some examples. There are many, many other things you can do. You just draw this line down the middle of a piece of paper. What are the things you want to encourage and how can we connect them to acts of kindness that are in some way um, relevant? Or So the water was particularly relevant to a cup of coffee. You know, Both of them are <clears> of <throat> drinks. The e-learning was particularly relevant to a, a webinar event. The tree was particularly relevant to a book. They don't have to be quite as relevant. They might just reflect the passions and beliefs and priorities of the business and the people in the business. Your, you know, your business, well, I've no idea, but your business, more than anything, might care about reforestation and, and climate damage, and that might be your number one priority, and I would entirely understand why it would. So all of your connected giving might be around in some way, shape or form, restoring the environment, replanting trees, protecting rainforests, and so on and so forth. Another business, their focus might primarily, their priority might primarily be on education with the belief that, you know, we can lift future generations and the entire world up through education. We can tackle the problems of the world through education. And so they may choose to connect their triggers with education related um, related. Impacts give you another example, which I personally love this example. I think the resonance is beautiful. There is a consulting business in the UK that for every time someone reads its e-newsletter. Now they know that someone's read it because their email system MailChimp or whatever, you know, you can see who's clicked through and opened up an email or opened up the attachment. So they get a MailChimp and all the other software does the same thing gives you a count of how many people have opened it. And so they have their their giving story. Their left-hand side trigger is we want people to read our newsletter because that's how we convey our news, our stories, our sales pitches probably as well. So that's great for the business. The more people that read our newsletter, the better that is. So what we'll connect that with is someone reads our newsletter. On the right-hand side, the impact that we'll make happen is we will fund a day's worth of vitamin a supplements for a for a child, a child in, in an underprivileged child because what vitamin a does is it helps prevent child blindness so you're you're helping give the gift of sight to a child in africa because someone has taken a look at and read your newsletter again there's a connection isn't there between you know reading something and having the ability to read it because you've got the gift of sight now that's fun that's delivered through um, um, through vitamin A supplements. And again, the cost of providing one day's worth of vitamin A supplements, one cent.
0: So they've got
1: 1,000 a a thousand people reading their newsletter, that's $10. And yet the story is, you know, just because, you know, thanks so much for opening it, because you've opened it, a child has had the gift of sight on your behalf.
0: And how would someone, so let's say someone wants is listening to this and goes, I want to do that. Um, how would you go about and start something like that? Because it's quite daunting to go, right?
1: Well, it it, it sounds Where would like, you go? What would you do? It sounds like it could be daunting, but trust me, it's unbelievably simple. So, you know, um, this is going to sound like self-promotion, but it isn't because I'm giving this away. You know, Paul and I are writing this book called Time to Rise, which will set out the step-by-step process for doing exactly what we are talking about uh, together today. Um, and so in step by step detail, but it's the shortest book I've ever written. It's a quarter of the length. So it's not a, a its a quarter of the length of my previous book. So it's you know, it's a short, practical workbook. There's no fluff. There's no padding. There's no price either. It will be on Amazon. Please, please, please do not buy it on Amazon. We will just give it to anybody who wants it completely free in digital form. So no trees cut down either. You'll then be able to use that in in very simply, very quickly take less than an hour to read, less than three hours to master. By the end of the day, you will have everything in place to have built this into your business model. So instead of being the shop on the left, the business on the left, getting left behind, you can be the business on the right, doing the right things and getting the right results. So the book will make that remarkably simple. Um, That's not available probably until the middle of 2020. Uh, In the meantime, if anybody wants to pick my brains, I'll happily share step-by-step details around that. But actually, I personally use a set of tools. There are, you see, the things that we've been talking about and the examples, you know, the the ability to fund a day's worth of water for one cent or a day's worth of uh, vitamin A supplements for one cent or uh, a month's worth of e-learning in India for 30 cents. And and I could have quoted many, many, many other wonderful, wonderful things that you could link to, you know, feeding the homeless, putting a roof over people's head, planting trees, uh, providing uh, rabies vaccinations for dogs you know supporting koala bears who have been damaged in the australian bushfires i've seen all of these things being connected to and and, and i know exactly how easy it is to connect to those kind of uh, those kind of projects because the tool that i use to do all of that is is called b1g1 one g onecom and that allows me to very very quickly identify low-cost projects and it's a bit like amazon so i can um, I can open up their search engine, I can search for, you know, I could fund a beekeeping business, I think it's three cents a day to fund the training and support of in Kenya of a farmer so that he can set up and run a successful beekeeping business that will provide income for the farmer but of course we all understand the hugely important, the huge importance of bees to uh, the environment and sustainability and and, uh, and, and life. Um, so there's multiple benefits that flow from that. That I think that project is three cents a day. So for example, if I typed in B into the Amazon style search engine, it would show me that project and it would allow me to fund one day's worth, 10 days worth, however many days I chose at three cents a time. If I wanted to uh, type, if I wanted to support the vitamin A supplement project, I would just type in child blindness or vitamin A or, or seeing and it would, it would show me projects. So over what B1G1 is, is, is a, Is a a search engine for incredibly carefully vetted projects that I can then fund and what I think is genius about it is that I know that if I'm going to fund let's say my example before my 30 100 people come to one of my webinars and I choose to fund 30 days of e-learning for a hundred children in India that's a $30 cost I go and I find that on on the Amazon style search engine and when I pay my $30, I know with absolute certainty that every single cent of that $30 is going to flow through to the people running the project in India that is delivering the e-learning. There's no deductions whatsoever for anything. There's a complicated piece of software that someone's had to pay to develop, but that's not the cost of that is not deducted from my $30. There are bank charges which the credit card company is inevitably going to charge, but they're not deducted from my $30 either. I have this complete transparency. I know that my... $30 is going to flow through to deliver my 3,000 days worth of e-learning. There's a real direct transparency that I as an accountant love. Whereas if I give $30 to almost any other charity, and I've absolutely no problem in giving to other charities, but the model is very different. The transparency is just there. If someone you know, catches me on the street and asks me to put in their collection tin and I put $30 in there or 30 quid, um, I have absolutely no idea what that's going to result in, what the impact that's going to create. I'm not buying an impact. I'm not funding an impact. I'm just putting money in a pot, which at some point, some other money will be taken out to pay for the person wrapping the tin and the, the marketing costs and the websites and the legal costs and whatever, whatever, whatever. And some of that money will at some point in the future flow through to some project, which I don't know what it is and I don't know how much it is. Whereas with the, with the, the B1G1 approach, I'm specifically funding, in my case, you know, a thousand days of uh, of, e- of e-learning for, or three thousand days rather, of e-learning for children in India, and all. And I know that that ring fence pot of money is flowing through to that. So I, I love that 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 side of um, that that way of doing it. And, and by the way, just to answer the question, which is probably going through the head: so okay, so if there's no deductions whatsoever for any of these costs, where on earth are those costs getting paid for? There's a separate legal entity. Um, called B1 which is a social enterprise actually I don't know the exact name but it's the the business I've just described as a charity through which 100% flows through there's a social enterprise uh, which picks up all of the costs and the social enterprise is funded by membership fees. so I pay wait for it I pay $1 a day $365 a year for the privilege of being able to do all of the things that I've been describing today so for me that's a complete and absolute no-brainer. Back put my rational decision-making hat back on. Mm-hmm. Can I do? Can I achieve those same things in any other way with that kind of transparency and that kind of ease and simplicity? No. Um, you know, it, can I get? If I pay my dollar a day, I'm, I'm up and running. You know, within minutes, and I can do this stuff the same day, really, really easily. Um, and the other thing that I think is really, really important, and again, my dollar a day is the is the best way I know of doing this. It's not only to do great stuff, and yes, of course, we're all aspiring. Certainly everybody listening to the podcast is aspiring to do great stuff and wants to avoid the business on the left trap and I'm sure now wants to be the business on the right doing the right things. But um, yes, we, need to, do the, we do need to do the right thing, but we also need a way of explaining it, telling the story so it doesn't come across as an arrogant, self-serving, greenwashing kind of thing. So it comes across with integrity and honesty and believability so that it inspires others. Right? And, and that, see, some people say, well, you should be doing this kind of stuff. Yes, but you shouldn't be talking about it because that's, you know, the purpose of charity is to do it even when no one's watching. Yes, I agree. But to me, the point is when businesses like yours and mine, and everybody listen to this, do these kind of things and are visibly doing these kind of things, then what that is gonna do is gonna inspire a movement. That's gonna create a wave of change. If we did it in secret, that movement is never gonna kick off. We need to get stuff happening quickly. And my point of view is that whilst it's fine being an activist and standing on a bridge blocking traffic, if that's what you wanna do, actually what's even more important is to be an actionist, is to actually do things yourself, to influence and change the things that you can influence and change, but in the process to do it in a way that inspires others to do things because that's the way we get this this wave of kindness flowing over the world, making everything better for everybody. And so rather than feeling that telling the story of what you're doing is in some way inappropriate, I think we should embrace that as the way that we make things better, faster, more dramatically for everyone. And Mm -hmm. so if if we do embrace that, then we've got to find the right words the right way of telling that story so that it does inspire and it is believed it is noticed and I think there are two I'm an accountant so you would expect me to say that we need to be reporting as businesses not just on our profit and loss which we have to file with HMRC and Companies House if we're a company yeah those things are important but crikey, the stuff we've been talking about today is way, way more important than any of that. So if it's important enough for us to go public with our financial data, how much more important is it for us to go public with our impact data? I believe that every business in the world should have a, an impact scorecard publicly visible in a, high, in a high-vis position, in fact, on their website, and you can see mine on my website, stevepipe.com, that quantifies the impact your business is having on the world. Quantifies the positive impact your business is having on the world. Now, my favorite way of doing that, lots of different ways you could, but my favorite way is to quantify that against each of the 17 UN Global Goals because there's a genuinely recognized and understood framework there for breaking down the challenges the world faces into those 17 key priority areas. And so being able to report what you're doing against those uh, 17 goals i think is a hugely important component of telling the story honestly accurately believably with integrity Um, because it's one thing to say oh yes we're doing great stuff for the world but actually and i'm always a bit skeptical and i don't know about you will but if someone says to me a few days before christmas oh i haven't sent christmas cards this year because what i've done is donated to charity i actually think the subtext is often well i forgot to send you a card and now I'll probably also forget to donate to charity. But in the meantime, I've sent you a message saying that I've done it already, but it isn't actually true. Um, so I have a little bit of skepticism sometimes about the claims people make, about the things mm-hmm. they're doing, which is why, as an accountant, I want businesses, I, I believe that businesses should break through that skepticism by showing the independent data. Yeah. And again, B1G1 allows me, because when I make my giving, my I connect the, my triggers with the impacts I want to create. If I if I provide my days of water and plant my trees and and you know vitamins and e-learning, if I do that through the B1G1 giving engine, not only does it make that really easy and quick at the push of a few buttons for me, but it tracks the impact, the number of trees I've planted, the number of days of help I've provided and so on. It tracks those and reports them back to me in a way that I can put in real-time data on my website, on my impact scorecard, you'll see at stevepipe.com there's a tab called impact. Um It allows me to present that data in real time to the world. It allows anybody listening to this to present that data in real time to the world. So you do great stuff and then you tell a story of what you 're doing in a believable and credible way and you you make the world better in two ways you 'd make the world better directly because you 're doing great stuff and you make the better the world better indirectly because you you start a movement. You inspire a movement. You inspire your customers and friends and family and supply uh, uh, others in your supply chain to come on board and play their part too. And when we all play our part, everything gets better for everyone.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. Um, this it's been fascinating listening to you, and I think um, really, really useful for people to understand how. you I mean, you've really set it out to be really easy. Yeah, yeah, it really it, it is. To be able to help. Um, I guess on a fi- on final note, I mean, is there one thing you want people to do on the back of this podcast? Uh,
1: well, well, yeah. I mean, I, I think the simplest way, when when the book's available, just ask me for the book because I'll give it to you for free and then it'll set out the process step by step. Um, but before then, B1G1 itself um, – has this wonderful thing it'll create a giving plan it will you tell it a little bit about your business and it will come back to you with a tailored set of suggestions for how you can take the sort of ideas that i'm talking about today and fold them into your business and your business model um so that's a great way of getting this this free of charge tailored report to begin to see what else is possible in your business so uh, if if I'll give if I'll give you the, the link to go in the yeah, show, we'll notes. the
0: links. We'll put all the links on the show, yeah,
1: notes. they'll probably be underneath or somewhere near near this recording, won't they? Um, and also from my website, with stevepipe.com, when the when my when the book I've been describing is published later this year, it will be available for free download there. Um, but for the time being, there are lots of other uh, free freely downloadable resources, uh, including my email address. If anybody wants to to pick my brains directly on a one to one basis, talk this through on a one to one basis be absolutely delighted to do that and as I said at the outset Will I don't charge anybody anything for my time or for anything else so all of that will be my gift to your listeners our gift to humanity. Brilliant thank you very
0: much Steve thank you Um, thank you so much for today it's been really interesting listening to you and understanding more about what you're about Um, a very unique individual I would say um, with your outlook on life and it's really really refreshing really lovely to and um, hear more and understand more about you. So thank you so much for everything you do and thank you for being on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Will, and everything that you do too.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the end of this episode of the Green Element podcast. Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what has been your biggest takeaway from this conversation. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us so we can see them too at GE underscore podcast. For links and show notes for this episode visit our website greenelement.co.uk forward slash podcast. Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better world.